Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is way back! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. All rise. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Wednesday, September 21st. Frank Stample here with my guy, Scott White. Maybe he won't be my guy anymore because he looks pretty annoyed with me already. Going to gloat about the Yankees. Today on the show, starters sit some fringe starting pitchers down the stretch. Shane McClanahan, sad face, hurt once again. Hitters finishing strong and much more. But first, please indulge this annoying Yankees fan. Oh my good goodness gracious. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious indeed, Scott. There's only one place to start. I mean, what a game. What a game. I've got to walk everyone through it just in case you didn't see it. The Yankees are down 8-4 to four going into the ninth inning. Aaron Judge leads off with his 60th home run of the season. He ties Babe Ruth. He's now one away from Roger Maris's American League record, the Yankee record. And we still have plenty of games left to play. Later on in the inning, bases loaded. Giancarlo Stan walk off, grand slam, his 27th home run of the season. I realize many people are going to be annoyed about what I just did, but Scott, you know... There's something about the fandom too, man. Like that was just a crazy moment. I had the game off, admittedly. I turned it back on once Judge hit the homer. I was like, all right, let me turn it on. Let's see what's going on here. That was a crazy ending to an awesome game. Mm. Yeah. Wish I could have seen it. Well, I'm sorry that you didn't. Anyway. You your recap your recap was wonderful. They came back against the Pirates. Very proud of them. Yes, yes. And against uh, you know, all-star closer Will Crow uh, as well. So not really the biggest accomplishment, but still, it was an awesome game nonetheless. I do want to talk about Aaron Judge because, you know, we mentioned him here and there. Obviously, he's accomplishing pretty awesome things here down the stretch, and it's been an amazing season for him. We're talking beforehand, Scott, and just trying to figure out how early does Aaron Judge go next season because clearly this is a career year for Aaron Judge. You know, just look at the OPS by year. I was looking at it beforehand. He's got an OPS over 1,100 now at this point. It's just... It's crazy what he's doing, um, but you know we we will we'll be buying off of a career season, and he has been injury prone in the past. So, what do you think? How early does Aaron Judge deserve to go next season? Truthfully, he should probably go number one. I don't think he will, especially in in roto leagues and, and five by five scoring leagues, because the there's such an emphasis on getting stolen bases early and understandably given the, the, the scarcity of that stat in recent years. However, as we've talked about many times over the past couple of weeks, I think the rule changes, some of the rule changes that we're going to see put in place next year, namely the limit limited number of pickoff throws are going to cause stolen bases to be a lot more plentiful. I don't know that everybody's going to game plan for that, necessarily because I, I think it'll be hard to gauge to what extent stolen bases increase and, and how that'll be distributed. 
I think it's going to be distributed widely, but you know, I, I I don't know I don't know how that's going to play out in the in the rankings and in how where players are drafted on average. So I suspect Judge, who by the way isn't a zero for stolen bases himself, he has 16 this year. I suspect he'll be passed over in that format primarily for that reason with the top pick. In points leagues where there isn't an emphasis in stolen bases because they're worth something, of course, but uh, you don't need them specifically. You can get points from whatever a hitter contributes. I think you'll just want the player who's clearly the best power hitter in the game and has been since his rookie season when he hit 52 home runs. So let's not pretend like this is just a a one-year Brady Anderson type of season for Aaron Judge. It's not. We've We've known he's capable of... I mean, he's the seventh player ever with 60 home runs and the first in like 20 years. So, yeah, I wouldn't say we knew he's capable of 60 home runs, but we we knew he was capable of of 50 plus, And I think most of us suspected he'd do it again at some point. Here's why I think uh, beyond going beyond the the number, the 60 home runs, the reason that the strong, the most compelling reason for drafting Aaron Judge first overall next year is, you know, part of the reason we we knew the way we could measure he was the best power hitter in the game was the exit velocities. Right, he hits the ball harder than anyone, with the exception of maybe Stanton, but he doesn't more consistently than Stanton. I would say that matters more now than it did from 2016 through. 2020 or even 2021. So Aaron Judge's career up to this point, that was ba- it. Basically, coincides with the juice ball year, and it didn't. You didn't have to hit the ball especially hard to put up a big home run total, because the ball carried better. Now, impacting the ball as hard as Judge does means more, and we're seeing it play out in the stats. We're we're seeing him distance himself from the pack in terms of home runs, which is probably the way it should have been all along. And I think it's the way it's going to be going forward. Personally, my main hesitation with taking Judge first overall next year is just the injury history. Is that going to be enough to steer me away? Probably not. I think I'll I think I'll be on I'll think I'll be on board with taking him first overall next year, regardless of the format. Uh, because I again I feel confident I'm gonna be able to find stolen bases in other ways. The one I'd be most likely to consider apart from him is is Jose Ramirez for position scarcity reasons, but outfield's looking pretty scarce too. So I, I think I will go judge one overall. That's that's my stance on September twenty-first. Anyway, obviously I, I reserve the right to change my mind over the next several months. Aaron Judge also batting 316 to go along with those 60 home runs, 123 runs scored, 128 RBI. He's got 16 steals, three caught stealing, so 16 for 19 on the season. And yeah, I mean, I, I think you can kind of pencil him in for double digit steals next year. Not that eh, maybe he doesn't get this total again. It's going to be pretty hard to project his steals, but I don't think that he's going to be a zero. And specifically, if, 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 if things play out like I think they will with the stolen bases. I predict he'll get at least 16 next year as well. I think Bold for prediction. Sh- I think for sure in a points league, he, he should be the first overall pick. It, it's just his plate discipline combined with the home runs that he hits. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the strikeout rate is now down two seasons in a row, 25%. And putting the ball in the air more than ever before, his barrel rate, I mentioned this before we started, Scott, it is 20, nearly 27%. The next closest person is Jordan Alvarez at 21%. I mean, that barrel rate is just absolutely insane. Again, Aaron Judge in the running for the first overall pick next season, and rightfully so. Uh, All right, Scott. Oh, my goodness gracious for you from Tuesday's action. I'm going to go with JT Realmuto, who went five for five, and that just continues a torrid stretch that's basically lasted two-thirds of the season now. So five for five with a home run and a double on Tuesday. Since July 1st, JT Real Muto, a catcher, mind you, is batting 324 with 15 home runs. That makes him, of course, the number one catcher in both points leagues and 
five by five during that time. It makes him the 26th overall hitter in points leagues, which is pretty impressive for a catcher. The number 13 hitter in Roto during that time, since July 1st. Really impressive stuff from a guy who, before the stretch started, I, I said was clearly in, the de- de- clearly in the decline phase of his career. Now he's pushing to be the number one catcher next year as he has been many times before. Yeah, I think he's definitely um, made a claim to the throne there as the catcher one for next season. That is JT Real Muto. I think in Roto, Dalton Varsho is also in that category. A big, big day for uh, Varsho as well. He only played in one of the two doubleheader games, but in that first game, he went two for five with a sock and a shoe. His 26th home run, his 11th steal of the season, and he is also finishing very strong uh, in September, hitting 286. He's got eight homers, three steals, and OPS up over a thousand during that time uh, for Dalton yeah. Varsho. So I, I think JTR and Varsho, you know, one A and one B in Roto points leagues. It's probably Real Muto, and I think Will Smith deservingly should be in that discussion as well. But I think there's a pretty clear top three with at least those three, Scott. Yeah. I guess in Roto, when you're factoring in the steals, I mean, Varsho and Real Muto are the only two catchers with double-digit steals this year. And, of course, Varsho, even for points leagues, he gets a net bad advantage over most every catcher because he's primarily an outfielder. And next year might be his last year as a catcher-eligible player in fantasy. He has has, uh, locked up catcher eligibility for next year, but not by much. And he doesn't, he hasn't started a catcher in a long time, I don't think. So maybe the last stand for Varsho as a catcher in fantasy, but he's led the position in home runs. I think it, I think it probably will play out like you're saying, where it's going to be between Varsho and Real Muto for top catcher drafted. But I think there are a lot of candidates to finish number one at the position, which means I'm probably not going to draft Real Muto or Varsho mm-hmm. in any league. Uh, one of them, by the way, is Salvador Perez. Somebody tweeted at uh, this at me yesterday. If if you project Salvador Perez's numbers over the num, num- you project this, if you project Salvador Perez's stats over the number of at bats he had last year, it comes out to 35 homers and 110 RBI, which we all would have been thrilled with coming in. That would have justified the pick we invested in him, and it, it suggests he still has his potential to be the number one catcher in fantasy. Now he might be the seventh catcher drafted. Sixth, seventh, something like that. Uh, but I, I imagine that means I'll be drafting a lot of him because I, I think the upside is still as high as you'll find at the position. And then, of course, in points leagues, because the plate discipline is so good, I think Alejandro Kirk has the potential to finish number one at the position. He's all, he's homered only twice in the second half, so that's kind of pulled him down some. But the the stack hat the the stack cast numbers are really promising. And again, the plate discipline is amazing for Kirk. And then, of course, you have Adley Rushman, Wilson Contreras, Will Smith, who you mentioned. Um, I think both Braves catchers, if you if they're able to get them in the lineup, Travis Darno and, and William Contreras, who've combined for I think thirty-seven home runs this year. Uh, they're not. They're not. They're they're, they're clearly going to be behind that group, but like I'd be happy with them as starters. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's catcher's looking really strong, as strong as it has in a very long time. Yeah. So much like we said about who will be the SP one drafted next next season, uh, we said that on on yesterday's podcast. Um, there, there's kind of just this big glob of like seven to eight different players in that discussion. And again, I think you could say the same thing about catcher there. Yeah, we didn't even really mention Wilson Contreras, but man, his second half has really, really not been great and dealing with this injury now. So. Uh, we'll have to reevaluate there on uh, and, catchers. And Sean Murphy, who's actually been the fourth best catcher in points leagues this year, I think yeah. is is part of that discussion as well. I also wanted to mention, kind of change of gears here for a minute. Uh, I, I mentioned how in in 5x5 five five leagues and rotisserie leagues, since July 1st, JT Real Muto is the 13th best hitter in that in that scoring format. 
the whole list is really interesting. So Aaron Judge, of course, is number one, followed by Freddie Freeman, the number two hitter in Roto Leagues since July 1st. Number three is even more interesting, Michael Harris. And then Marcus Simeon's fourth. It gets a little less interesting after that, but Michael Harris, third among all hitters since July 1st. That's pretty, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, he has played 101 games now, stole another base on Tuesday, now up to 18 steals, 18 home runs, again, in 101 games for Michael Harris. So, I don't know, off the top of my head, that's that's not a 30-30 pace, but it's it's close to it. It's something like 27 homers, 27 steals uh, over the course of 150 games. So, I think that he is probably going to be that young um, hype guy that that's going to be drafted really early in drafts, you know, like third, fourth round, something like that for Michael Harris next season. Uh, and by the way, Real Muto is is 13th, as I said. You know who's right after him? 14th among all hitters since July 1st? I don't know. Your boy, Nate Lowe. Mm, that guy's a beast. And I told you before the show, so the fact you said I don't know shows me you weren't listening. Uh, you know, it's kind of <laughs> trying to get this rundown together right before the show is uh, <laughs> one of the toughest things we do here on a nightly basis. But uh, yes, Nate Lowe has been fantastic and will be interesting to see where we rank him among first basemen heading into next season. Uh, before we get to the unfortunate Shane O'Mac injury, Scott, I did want to congratulate you and your Braves clinching another playoff appearance. Yep. Thank you. What would you? It's good. Would good you, to be back. Would you like to accept the uh, the playoff berth on their on their behalf? Uh yeah, sure, I'll accept that. <laughs> I mean, kind of seemed like a foregone conclusion. I'm I'm more concerned about the division, Frankie. Oh, as the, you should the, be. The Brewers had the Mets on the ropes tonight, and they let them they let them off the hook. Yeah, as Dennis Green would say, and uh, that's disappointing. The Mets remain a game up. Yeah. So, gotta knock them off. Let's talk about Shane McClanahan. Unfortunately, left Tuesday start with what was deemed as left neck tightness and spasms, which sounds like it could be a compensation compensation injury caused by his left shoulder impingement, which he was pre- previously dealing with, uh, which he was on the IL for. So those two things could be related. Obviously, we'll wait for more information, but doesn't seem great for Shane McClanahan. He gives up five runs over four innings pitch. He did give up a three-run homer to Jeremy Pena. Uh, the CSW wasn't there. The control was not there. He walked four batters in this one, gave up some hard contact. Velocity still looked fine. You know, he has been throwing more fastballs since returning, I, I, so I don't know if that's related to the injury, um, you know, potentially throwing less breaking pitches. But alas, you may need another waiver wire pitcher now that Shane McClanahan, I assume we all threw him back in the lineup, uh, so we're going to need someone over these final two weeks, basically, from here on out, Scott. And the name I wanted to bring up was Dre Jamison, who we were a little bit skeptical. You know, his first start was, it was very good. He didn't get a lot, a lot of whiffs or anything, but now he does it again, and he does it at the Dodgers. He goes six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts to just one walk, 14 swinging strikes on 94 pitches, 10 on the slider, three on the fastball, and he did lean into the slider more in the start. He threw it 35%, and that's just about double the percentage that he used in his first start. So now two starts in the books for Jamison, 13 innings pitched, two earned runs allowed. Uh, He's only 6% rostered. Looks like he'll have the Giants again this weekend and then at the Giants next week. Not really an offense I'm that worried about, Scott. What do you think? Dre Jameson, should we pick him up uh, for his final start or two? I, I, I don't think I'd be willing to do it. <sighs> Encouraging stuff. I mean, very reminiscent of, um, of Ryan Nelson, right? Comes up, first two starts, exact same two teams, San Diego and the Dodgers, and shuts them both down. Uh, but then in his third turn, he was facing one of those two teams again. Which one was it? Was he facing the Dodgers again or the Padres again? And this is third start. In Ryan Nelson's third start? Yeah. I believe it, it was, was the, the Padres, Padres again. Yeah, the Padres. And it was a struggle. And both of these guys were, you know, they had terrible numbers in the minors. They have ability, terrible numbers in the minors, tough places to pitch. So obviously that that didn't help them. But there's just there, there's enough reasons for concern not to stake your entire season on him, I would say, after two major league starts. 
I get it. I mean, it's just, you know, we're, we're kind of, I guess we're running out of names here with, um, you know, we need someone to pick up if Shane O'Mac's hurt or plus, dealing with anything Plus, else. he might be one of the few pitchers you could pick up who's only making one start next week. Final week of the season, it's a 10-day scoring period if, if your True. league plays all the way through to the end. Most pitchers will be making two starts, and he looks like one who won't be. That is true. All right, so that is Dre Jameson. Looks promising so far, but probably don't want to pick him up for redraft leagues. Scott, I just have this terrible thought in my head. Of course, doom and gloom, you know how I roll. I included Dre Jameson in a trade, in a dynasty trade in the Scott White Dynasty League. Just kind of threw him in there because I needed to free up a minor league spot. I traded him to RJ White, who is now in the finals in the Scott White Dynasty League. I gave up Dre Jameson and Clayton Kershaw, and I got DL Hall, who, you know, on paper is a better prospect than Dre Jameson, and I think like Luis Arias, and I think another young player, or whatever. But I just have this terrible feeling, Scott, that Dre Jameson's going to turn out to be really good, and this trade is just going to look absolutely awful for me. Yeah. I kind of, kind of dynasty philosophy here. Like, I don't have enough confidence in my ability to um, parse between prospects. You know, people, ones who everybody recognizes are prospects, but how much more likely is this one to hit than this one? Not hit in the baseball sense, but hit as in emerge. And so I kind of, you know, unless we're talking about the most elite prospects, which neither D.L. Hall or Dre Jameson would fit that description. Obviously, I, I value those more. But when you get to a certain point in the prospect rankings, I don't know exactly where it is, probably beyond the top 25 or whatever. They're kind of, I mean, I, I rank them because I have to rank them for the job, but they're kind of all like, they're all just kind of lottery tickets, you know, and it, how much better is the probability of one versus another? Eh, not so much. I mean, I I wanted to get I, I didn't get Spencer Strider in my top 100 prospects at all, and I was one of the highest on him. And I wish I had. I certainly thought about it, but I decided to leave him out of the top 100 completely. And and obviously, if I had put him 26th, I would have looked a lot smarter. Yes, indeed. All right, so that's it for Dre Jameson. Hopefully, he doesn't make me look too f- foolish, but. Uh, a new potential hire for the Diamondbacks who's getting it done, which brings us to the fact that these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's really easy to post a job too. Just sign into LinkedIn Jobs, then click on the post a free job button to get started. Add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word. It's easy as that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering high quality hires versus leading competitors. Much like fantasy baseball, it's so, so important to finish the year out strong. Hiring the right team member might just help you do that. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash FBT. That's linkedin.com slash FBT to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's take a look at a few other waiver wire pitchers could be available here down the stretch. And it was a pretty successful return for Aaron Savali at the White Sox. He went five innings, two runs, two strikeouts in that one. Curve velocity was up 1.6 miles per hour in this start. Um, and he's shortened up his pitch mix. You know, at times in the past, he's thrown five, six pitches, just focusing on four pitches here in the start first volley. And it seemed to work well for him. Scott, I realize these starts are all kind of spread out. He's dealt with some injuries. But if you just look at the last five starts for Savali, he's pitched pretty well. 3.46 ERA, 25 strikeouts, over 26 innings pitched, 10.7% swinging strike rate. He is 41% rostered at the Rangers this weekend, so you're probably locked in. Uh, but he does get the Royals next week, which is a really good matchup. What do you think about Aaron Savali? Is he going to just make one start rest of the way? Uh, that's you know, what, you know what it, it looks like. I, I don't want to use him. I, I don't. Not enough reward for the risk. All right. Well, 
I have a feeling you're not going to want to use any of these pitchers then, Scott. Brian Bayo, <laughs> uh, Brian Bayo gave up a bunch of hits in this start, but did limit the damage. He was at the Reds, five innings, one run allowed uh, with five strikeouts. He gave up eight hits and two walks, so a 2.0 whip, not great for Brian Bayo, but 15 swinging strikes on 84 pitches. Uh, and the first time we really saw his slider excel, he used it 32%, and the pitch had six of his 15 swinging strikes in the start. And in six starts since returning, Brian Bayo has a 2.69 ERA over a strikeout per inning, 51% ground ball rate, 14.5% swinging strike rate. But he's at the Yankees this weekend, and I think he only has one other start at the Blue Jays. So I'm encouraged, Scott. I think we should remember this when we're thinking about late round sleepers for next year. But you probably don't want to use Bayo at the Blue Jays next week. Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. And I noticed you left out the whip when talking about his numbers in six starts since returning because he's given up a lot of hits. A it's lot too of hard. It's too hard to calculate whips, Scott. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it's walks plus hits divided by innings pitch. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's Three numbers hard. you need. I have an ERA calc- uh, calculator that I have open. You know, it's pretty hard. We've never talked about this, but I think an advantage that Adam used to have when hosting this podcast is that you guys would do it the next morning. So uh, you would be able to like use the Fangraphs game log to calculate the most recent start from the night before already. But now when we do it, Scott, it's it's the same night. So we either have to use an ERA calculator or, you know, you could do it by hand, but it's going to take forever if you do it for every start. So it's kind of hard for me to calculate whip the night of, but yeah. I, I do you like- know a lot of times, a lot of times the stats weren't updated early enough the next morning. Oh, really? To okay. be honest. All right, that, you know, take back everything I just said then. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they are these days, but you know, back in those days, it was it was still a struggle. All right, so yeah, the whip has been high for Brian Bayer, which you would expect. He, you know, does give up a decent amount of hits and walks, but I, I've been very, very encouraged by what I've seen. Yeah, the, the stuff is, the stuff is, you definitely see the ability there, especially with the swinging strikes, and he had more whiffs on the slider than the changeup in this start. So, you know, it, it not totally reliant on that one pitch for those whiffs. So encouraging stuff from Bayo, but not worth using him yet, mm-hmm. I would say. And I don't think we'll use any of these other ones, Scott, but I'll just throw them your way and you let me know if you're maybe excited about any of them for next season. JP Sears gets back on track after two terrible outings. He was up against the Mariners where uh, he went five innings. He only gave up one hit, one unearned run with seven strikeouts in that one. He's 17% rostered. Joey Wentz, he pitches for the Tigers. Uh, he's looked pretty good over his last couple starts. At the Orioles, five and two-thirds shutout with four strikeouts in that one. And his minor league season, the numbers are solid. 3.04 ERA, 1.14 whip over a strikeout per inning. He is only 5% rostered. And we brought this gentleman up last week, Scott. Luis Ortiz a prospect for the Pirates. He, he looked good against the Yankees. You know, in Yankee Stadium, making just his second start. He goes five innings, two runs allowed, just one of those earned with five strikeouts. He had 10 swinging strikes on 74 pitches. Basically just a two-pitch pitcher, but he throws a fastball really hard, nearly 99 miles per hour on average, and seemingly has a pretty good slider that he uses as well. So uh, anything on these three, Luis Ortiz, Joey Wentz, and J.P. Sears. Yeah, I think Luis Ortiz might be something. Obviously, the odds are against it. It's not some high-profile prospect or anything, but if you play in a really deep dynasty league and you want to pick up somebody for free, I I think Luis Ortiz might be worth it. He he has a lot of spin on his fastball, so that itself is an effective pitch. His minor league numbers this season aren't great overall, but he threw six no-hit innings in his final start there before the call-up. And in the minors, he threw 66% of his pitches for strikes. That's very good. And he got uh, swinging strikes 14% of the time, also very good. So uh, some of the underlying numbers were better than the front-facing numbers, I would say. All right, that is Luis Ortiz once again. Just a name to remember in, obviously, deeper leagues for next year. NL only. Hopefully, he'll have a shot in the uh, opening day rotation for the Pirates. I don't see why he wouldn't, because <laughs> obviously, they're not very good, and they're moving towards this uh, this youth movement. Before we get to some waiver wire hitters, Scott, I just 
want to highlight the hitting game of the night. Uh, the Toronto Argonauts defeated the Philadelphia Eagles 18-11. to 11. It's basically a football score, Scott. That's why I'm going with those teams. But, man, okay. the ball is absolutely flying in September, man. 29 combined runs here for the Blue Jays and the Phillies. The Blue Jays put up 18 runs on 21 hits. Teoscar Hernandez has been scuffling quite a bit here in the second half, but he... Goes four for five with two doubles and three runs scored. Matt Chapman went two for four with his 27th homer. Three runs and three RBI for him. Danny Jansen stays hot. He goes three for six with two doubles and two RBI. 28% rostered. And he remains a catcher that you can add if you were just kind of streaming the position. Back end of the top 12. Could be out there, I guess, in some two-catcher leagues based on just 28% rostered. Uh, And then for the Phillies, they put up 11 runs on 15 hits. JT Realmuto, Scott spoke about earlier, went five for five with a, another home run and a double. And Kyle Schwarber went two for five, hit his 40th homer, three RBI, two runs scored is there as we get a strong fist pump from Scotty for the beef. That's right. Kyle Schwarber. That's right. I was, I was predicting 40 home runs for Schwarber going in this year, and he came through. It, his batting average is still so bad, though. It's. It's hard to fathom that it's <laughs> he's hit this many home runs and he's uh, batting 215 on the season which yeah I, and I haven't looked into the the numbers and frankly I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure that I'm confident what I can glean from them when I do but I will mention that Jason Stark of the Athletic wrote his his assessment of the rule changes and the kind of impact they're going to have on the game next year. Something I did earlier this week, but uh, Jason Stark did a couple days ago and he had, he had talked to Kevin Long, the Phillies hitting coach and Kevin Long is, you know, highly respected hitting coach. He's been around, been with a lot of different teams, worked with a lot of different players. And uh, he named some players who he thought would see a, big increase in batting average because of the, uh, the the restrictions on the infield shift. And Kyle Schwarber was one of the ones he mentioned. Now, Kyle Schwarber is a Philly, but he mentioned some non-Phillies too, and, and Schwarber was among them. So just thought, it'd be, thought it was worth mentioning. Some of the other players he mentioned, I know Anthony Rizzo was one. I can't remember who else. They were all left-handed hitters. Mm-hmm. With Schwarber, I will point out the, the batting average again, very low at 215. His BABIP is 239, which uh, is not a career low, but it's close to it outside of the shortened season. He has put the ball in the air a lot this year. 51% fly ball rate is uh, by far a career high. So that 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 would correlate to a lower BABIP and a lower batting average uh, for Schwarber. So a few less fly balls uh, I think we could take for, for better batting average. But overall, the 40 home runs, obviously, uh, you will take that for the beefcake. Kyle Schwarber. A couple of waiver wire hitters. Corbin Carroll went two for four with a double and his first career steal. And at the time, he was batting 293 with a 903 OPS. I think he got a few more at bats in that second game. But 68% roster, Scott. He was dropped in a few leagues. I know we told people that he had really tough matchups this week. They were facing a bunch of lefties. He's basically not playing against left handed pitching. They've got two lefties this weekend, the Diamondbacks. And when I looked at their projected pitchers the rest of the way, I didn't see any other lefties on the schedule after this weekend. So what I'm saying is it could be a pretty strong final nine or 10 games after this week for Corbin Carroll. Would you maybe look to pick him back up? Yeah. If, if he, so how rostered is he? 68%. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously in the five outfielder leagues, I'm, I'm going to assume he's already rostered then. Uh, but I would say, if, if that's true, if that holds that he's not going to face any left-handers the rest of the way, or even if he faces like you know one or two, then you'll probably see him in the sleeper hitters article for the final week. Let me see how he's doing in terms of at-bats. So he, he's only had 60 at-bats. He's, he's safe from reaching. Like I don't, I don't think the Diamondbacks have to worry about him ex- exceeding 130 if he's not even halfway there yet think they've they've done a good enough job preserving those at-bats. Yeah, I was going to save this for later on Corbin Carroll. I think they've almost played it too safe, the Diamondbacks have. I just hope that they don't have like this platoon thing in their mind for the start of next season because obviously Corbin Carroll is 
one of the top prospects in the game, just like let the guy play and let's see what he could do against left-handed pitching. Um, but Gunnar Henderson, he led off against a left-handed pitcher here on Tuesday. He went two for five. He hit his third home run. The home run came off of a right-handed reliever, so I don't want to give him you know too much credit against a lefty. But he had four hard hits in this game, two over 105 exit velocity. He is now up to 69 at-bats with, with 15 games left. This is Gunnar Henderson. He has averaged... 3.7 at-bats per game to this point. If you times that by the 15 remaining games that they have, that is 55 at-bats. 55 plus 69 brings him to 124 at-bats for Gunnar Henderson. So even if he plays every game from here on out, he still would be clear of the 130. And I think the Diamondbacks just kind of played it a little bit too safe down the stretch. It is what it is, but I just kind of wish that they were giving Corbin Carroll more playing time here uh, against left-handed pitching. Yeah, I I mean he had gotten I I think his first two games in the majors he got a combined ten at bats so that might have that might have forced them to slow their roll a bit and obviously they're not playing for anything and and the Orioles sort of are they've they've more or less been eliminated now mm-hmm. but they were in there for a while they were in the mix a few other waiver wire hitters Scott I've got four names here. I think more so for deeper leagues than anything, but perhaps you have uh, different thoughts on that. Jordan Groshans, I've mentioned a few times, he's playing well with the Marlins. Uh, he came over in a trade from the Blue Jays. He went two for three with an RBI. He's now betting 348 in his first seven games. He's only 9% rostered. Harrison Bader made his Yankees debut. He was batting seventh in the lineup. He went two for four with three RBI. He's 44% rostered. A gentleman named Nate Eaton, who we have not talked about at all, is a... He was a top 15 prospect in the Royals organization. He has a stolen base in four straight games, and he's getting a chance to play some third base for them. So um, he's kind of got some interesting numbers. 285 batting average in the minors this season, 13 homers, 23 steals, and 823 OPS. And the last name, David VR, who I believe was a sleeper hitter this week, coming through early on. He's, uh, he went one for four with his sixth homer. And over his last 15 games, batting 319 with five home runs, that is David VR. Scott, what do you think about these four? VR, Nate Eaton, Harrison Bader, and Jordan Groshans. I think the most interesting are VR and Harrison Bader. Bader only for five outfielder leagues, specifically five outfielder roto leagues, and I hope he gives you some steals down the stretch. VR's hit a bunch of home runs this year between the majors and the minors. I don't know if this, this one today makes it... 33 or 34 or something like that between the majors and minors eligible at second and third in CBS sports leagues. So you, you know, that that's, that's helpful. Uh, let me see if I can pull up the Giants schedule to see what they're looking at the rest of the way. I think it's pretty favorable. So give me just a minute. I got, I got it for you here, Scott. So okay. next week they will have, Six games against the Rockies and Diamondbacks pitching staffs. And then the All final right. week, they'll have a three-game set against the Padres. So, yeah. over the final week and a half, they have nine games against the Rockies, Diamondbacks, Padres. That sounds pretty good. He might be on the sleeper hitters for next week. All right, that is David VR. Before we hit the break, just want to remind everyone to uh, join our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group if you haven't already. Uh, obviously, the offseason's coming up, so I'm sure there'll be a bunch of discussion about offseason trades, dynasty things, whatever's happening, hot stove related. So it's a fun community, and make sure to join up. Facebook.com slash groups slash Fantasy Baseball Today, or just search Fantasy Baseball Today on Facebook. Let's take a break, and we'll hit the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. 
Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The news and note, Spencer Schrider is dealing with a sore oblique and will be pushed back a few days. As a result, he might not make a start this week, but I think more importantly, the Braves have a series coming up with the Mets next week, so... Um, they need Spencer Schrider for that one, if if nothing else. Julio Rodriguez was back in the Marlins, Marlins, that would be weird, Mariners lineup on Tuesday after missing three straight with lower back tightness. Tim Anderson could return to the White Sox lineup sometime this week. He underwent left-hand surgery in early August. Scott, what do you think that would mean for Elvis Andrus, who had another big game on Tuesday, went two for four, now up to 14 steals on the season? Uh, do you think they would... I don't know, maybe slide Elvis Andrews over to second base or something like that? Yeah, I think so. They haven't had much going on at second base, and I don't see why they take Elvis Andrews out of the lineup. So this is this makes it six steals in six games now, right? Oh. <laughs> As if he wasn't doing enough already. Now he's running like crazy. So I don't know where this came from, but I'm just thanking my lucky stars for it. Scratch that off your... Uh... 2022 fantasy baseball bingo card. Elvis Andrus winning people championships. Did not see that one coming. If all goes well in Friday's rehab start, Tyler Glass now could make his 2023 debut next week in Cleveland. And that might be even more likely now with Shane McClanahan hurt once again. So much for Drew Smiley as a sleeper pitcher. He is experiencing shoulder fatigue and will not start on Wednesday against the Marlins. Marcus Stroman will start in his place. Which... Obviously, we couldn't see coming, and it stinks. Chris Bryant is still receiving treatment and participating in activities, but there remains no timetable in place for his return. He's been out since July 31st with plantar fasciitis in his left foot. Frankie Montas was placed on the IL with right shoulder inflammation. He recently received a cortisone shot and is hopeful to make one more start in the final week of the season. Seems very optimistic. I don't know if that will happen. Uh, as a result, Domingo Herman will start on Saturday against the Red Sox. Sonny Gray was placed on the IL with a right hamstring strain. DJ LeMahieu took on-field batting practice Tuesday and could be activated during this week's homestand. Garrett Whitlock has been shut down from throwing and will require hip surgery next week. The expectation is that he'll be ready for the start of spring training. And we didn't have to wait long to see what they would do in the bullpen, Scott, because... They had a save opportunity here on Tuesday. Uh, Matt Barnes was pitching in the eighth inning. Uh, John Schreiber recorded the final two outs for his eighth save. Do you, if you had to guess uh, who gets the next save, do you think it would be Barnes or Schreiber? Well, I did just guess. I wrote my last edition of the bullpen report for 2022. It came out Tuesday. And I actually think... Barnes has the best chance of getting the most saves from that bullpen the rest of the way, but I, I think the reliever to roster is Schreiber because it's not it's not by a big enough margin. Uh I, I that, you know, I just I just rather have the better pitcher. Mm-hmm. And I think it is worth pointing out that even though Barnes did get the two out save, uh Matt Strom came in to begin the ninth and had a lot of problems. So Schreiber was kind of bailing him out. It wasn't it wasn't like it was Schreiber's inning from the beginning. Well, I think they had a four run lead at that point, Scott. Oh, okay. Fair so enough. they they tacked on a few runs, and then I think Strom let two runs in in the ninth. Str- Strom did get the previous save for the Red Sox. So yeah, it's there's kind of three names floating around there, and I'm not even counting Garrett Whitlock at this point. Um, yeah, but obviously, you know, Whitlock dealing with the injury. So he shut down. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, you know, look, the Red Sox aren't great either, but I think it's probably Schreiber or Matt Barnes. Those are more of deeper league plays if you are chasing saves at this point. Mackenzie Gore will make a rehab start at AAA on Wednesday. He threw 57 pitches in his previous rehab outing. The MRI results on Brendan Rodgers' hamstring were good, according to Bud Black. Eric Lauer will start Friday against the Reds, his first day eligible to come off the IL. And it sounds like it will be a short outing, so... Even if you have Eric Lauer, I don't know that I want to play him in his first start back. Graham Ashcraft is set to return Saturday against the Brewers. I'm guessing we don't have much interest in him, Scott. No, no, I don't think we're going to have time for him to regain our trust. Not, not that he ever, we had, not that we had much trust in him from the beginning, but he has had some good starts this year. I just don't think there's going to be time for us to, to be confident we know what we're getting from him. All right. Uh, This doesn't really affect fantasy, but the Canadian government plans to drop the COVID vaccine requirement by the end of September. So all players will be eligible to play in Toronto throughout the playoffs, however long they are playing in the playoffs. And lastly, I do have a prospect update. The Giants uh, promoted Marco Luciano to double A for their playoff run. And uh, he's kind of lost some of his prospect luster, Scott. Marco Luciano, still 21 years old. Uh, but this season in the minors, 269 batting average, 11 home runs, an 817 OPS, zero steals. I think more than anything, power is the tool that we're looking at most for uh, Marco Luciano. But I don't know. He's kind of lost some of it. What, how do you feel about him from a dynasty perspective? Yeah, we're, we're still waiting for him to find that next gear. And it seems like it seems like the, the, the prospect hounds... Um, they still they remain bullish on him. So I would have liked to see more production by the time he's he's reaching double A, but you know, part of the reason he's reaching double A is because that's the only place left for him to play at this point. That's the highest level left for him, the lowest level I should say, left for him to play at this stage. So they want to give him some more bats. I want it uh I want to be looking to sell in Dynasty. I'd hold out. All right, let's move into some Starter sit for some fringy starting pitchers over their last few matchups of the season. Pablo Lopez now has back-to-back quality starts since getting rocked by the New York Mets. He was up against the Cubs. He went six and two-thirds, one run allowed, six strikeouts in this one. And it looks like his last two matchups are at the Mets and at the Brewers. So that would make him a two-star pitcher for next week. But there's going to be a lot of two-star pitchers, Scott, and I don't like those matchups. What do you think about Pablo Lopez? Yeah, it's a big risk playing him. I'm not going to say for sure don't. It just You just have to weigh your options. He has had, uh, you mentioned two quality starts in, the row, in, in a row. Four of his last five have been two earned runs or fewer. But then in the middle of that stretch was the eight-run disaster against the Mets. So he's been trending the right way overall, but still still a little scary. Yeah, if you were making a Pablo Lopez sandwich, Scott, it would have the best bread that ever existed, right? And then mm-hmm. just inside of the bread, like just some nasty meat, some nasty yeah. cheese. Veggie mite. Oh, geez. Man, you just went straight for it, man. You just... Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, all right. So that that's the Pablo Lopez sandwich. And man, I'm, I'm kind of worried about these matchups down the stretch. Nick Lodolo only gave up three hits here on Tuesday. But the problem is that two of them were home runs. And he was up against the Red Sox. Five innings, three runs, seven strikeouts in that one. You know, overall, I know he's been better recently, but... Still a 3.9 ERA, 1.27 whip for Lodolo. Strikeouts have been awesome for him. His last two matchups uh, look like they're up against the Brewers and at the Cubs, Scott. I Mm -hmm. feel like you mentioned he was going to get the Pirates in there at some point. Uh, But when I was calculating it, it didn't look that way to me. Like you think he's only going to get one start next week? No, no, no. I think he'll have two. I just don't, don't think he's facing the Pirates at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, it may have it may have gotten a little off. Yeah. So what do you think but, about those last two, Brewers and, and Cubs for Lodolo? Oh, so the Cubs twice the final week then. It Something must have got pushed back. Oh, you know what it is? I think it's because Graham Ashcraft is returning over the weekend, Scott. So I think Lodolo will get pushed back a start. So he will only have one start in the final long week at the Cubs. 
That's what it looks like to me. All right. Well, we'll confirm when I, in a couple of days, but if, if that's the case, then it's going to be harder to use them. Obviously in a week where a bunch of pitchers are starting twice, presuming it's a, a weekly lineup, but I do like both of those matchups. I mean, obviously everybody knows the Cubs are a favorable matchup, but the Brewers are especially bad against left-handed pitchers. Uh, I wish there was a better result in this start. Obviously it wasn't a disaster, but it could have been better. And he didn't get a win out of it. But still, in his previous 10 starts, 295 ERA, 105 whip, 11.1K per nine for Nick Lodolo. The trend continues for Charlie Martin, who pitched well at home. He went five and a third, one run allowed, nine strikeouts with 19 swinging strikes. Now has a 2.89 ERA at home this season, 5.38 on the road. And unfortunately, his next start is at the Phillies this weekend. If you play in a weekly league, obviously you're locked into that one. Uh, and then he'll only have one start in the final week against the Mets, a team that he has a 4.67 ERA against in three starts this season. So I don't know, Scott. Don't really love that one. Charlie Morton against the Mets. What do you think? Yeah, I'd probably pass on that. All right, fair enough. Let's move over to uh, Patrick Sandoval, who was okay at the Rangers. He went five innings, two runs, seven strikeouts with 17 swinging strikes. Uh, and over his last six starts, he has a 1.94 ERA. He's getting a bunch of ground balls, a bunch of whiffs, but no quality starts. He's gone less than six innings in three straight. That is Patrick Sandoval. Uh, and it looks like his last two matchups are both against the A's. So, One this week and one next week or both next week? I think they're both next week. That's preferable. Yeah, it's pretty damn good. <laughs> Probably look to use him in that case. A couple other names, Adam Wainwright. Not too great, once again. He was at the Padres. Six innings, four runs for him, only one strikeout. And over his last four starts, Adam Wainwright has a 5.57 ERA, eight strikeouts, over 21 innings pitched. That is quite bad. Um, mm-hmm. He's at the Dodgers this weekend. Only one start next week, but it is against the Pirates, Scott. So you kind of have to weigh. It's You're not getting much volume, good matchup, but Wainwright's pitching yeah. bad. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm out on Wainwright for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I can't blame you on that one. Last one I've got is Mike Clevenger, who turns in his first scoreless outing since June 29th. He goes five and two-thirds shutout against the Cardinals with three strikeouts in this one. His velocity was up a little bit across the board on all of his pitches. Uh, his previous eight starts before this one, a 6.57 ERA for <laughs> Clevenger. He's at the Rockies this weekend, which, man... If you started him in a two-star week, God bless you, because I wouldn't have done it. Uh, in fact, nope. I, I dropped him even in a 15-team league. Um, but he gets the White Sox next week for one start, which I think I'm out on as well. Yeah, not, not willing to wake, not willing to stake my season on Mike Clevenger. I agree. Do not do it. Hitters that are finishing the season strong, we mentioned Dalton Varsho and what he's doing. Justin Turner uh, went three for four with a walk and a run scored. Post All-Star break now, he is hitting 359 with five homers, 15 doubles, and OPS up over 1,000. Willie Adamas continues his tear. He went four for five with two doubles and two RBI. Now batting 320 over his last 30 games. And Carlos Correa, he's trying to get paid again. <laughs> he went three for five with two RBI. And in September, he's hitting 377 with six homers and a 1097 OPS. Scott, I think Willie Adamas is probably the most interesting of this group because the power has been there for him all season. 30 homers from the shortstop position is great. Uh, But it feels like he's just kind of been underperforming his batting average all year long. What do you think about Willie Adamas? Yeah, it's nice to see him get that batting average up toward the end of the season here. If you just look at the second half. So, you know, after the all-star break, Willie Adamas is batting 271, which is something we take over a full season. I, I mean, we... Even those numbers as they are with the low batting average, I think it's been he's been well worth your your draft pick where you where you picked him. Mm-hmm. And uh you might he might be one of the top twelve shortstops drafted next year. In fact, I'd say there's a good chance of that. Uh ready. So just quickly calculating two, four, six, eight, ten. He is the eleventh ranked shortstop in points leagues. As of uh, September 21st, 
I don't have any of my Roto Leagues pulled up, so I can't tell you about that. But um, yeah, I would imagine he's either top 12 or close to it in Roto as well. That is Willie Adamas. Let's get into some pitching leftovers. If you started Adrian Sampson, consider yourself lucky, Scott, because this one looked bad early on and he managed to settle down but lots of hits he wiggled out of some jams as well at the marlins six innings eight hits one run three strikeouts in this one uh three straight quality starts for what it's worth for adrian sampson uh and it looks like i i can't tell if he's gonna pitch at the pirates this weekend scott because now that drew smiley's out of the rotation even if wesneski pitches on thursday i think he will right I think Samson I, will have that second start this week. If if they've gone back to five, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So that's the so, hope. Yeah, and, with Smiley being scratched, they're going to go back to five, so Samson will get a second start. I mean... It would make sense. Which is good for this look, week. If you, if you started him as a sparp or whatever it might be, I'm just saying, like, he's only yeah. going to have one start next week against the Reds, so, like, after this week, you can drop Adrian Samson, basically. Sure. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I mean, look. I. I. If. If you're not in a weekly league, if. If you're just thinking about, oh, should I stream him in my next start? I would still say no. Yeah. Like, I don't trust this guy. Yeah. At all. It's, it's. It's one thing when he lines up for two starts and they're both good matchups, and oh, okay, just for the volume, I'm gonna do it. But when you're going, a start at a time, I don't care really what the matchup is. I just don't think. I just don't think you can trust Samson. There's not enough skill there. The final two pitchers here, Christian Javier, a little wild, but a solid start at the race. He went five shutout, one hit allowed, four walks, six strikeouts. He had 17 swinging strikes, 13 of those on the fastball. It continues to amaze me how Javier can get uh, as many whiffs as he can with his fastball, but man, kudos to him. Uh, he does have just one quality start in his last five outings, so they've been shorter starts recently. And then Dylan Cease, Turns in another quality start up against the Guardians. He went six innings, one run, three strikeouts in this one. Only five swinging strikes, which is kind of weird for Dylan Cease. Uh, but regardless, a a solid start here for him as well. Um, anything on these two, Scott Cease and Christian Javier? No, but there's one pitcher you conveniently left out of the rundown. Uh-oh. One who we've been hyping for a while now and certainly recommended for this week. And that's Ross Stripling. Oh, yes. Letting everybody down. He was on the mound for that uh, that Blue Jays outburst in Philadelphia. Or, sorry, that Phillies outburst in Philadelphia. Five and runs on nine hits and in four innings after having six straight quality starts. Yeah. I guess he was due. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. That's yeah, disappointing that it happens. And in, in, in his two-star week where he was probably... Widely activated. It feels like so many pitchers have just been getting rocked recently, Scott. I, I don't, I don't know that for certain, but it just every time I look up in in my head-to-head matchups, it seems like my pitchers are doing pretty poorly. Like I had Carrasco going in a few spots today, and he he was terrible too. So I don't know. Just doesn't, well, yeah. Doesn't there's a lot great. of offense happening in September. Of course, some pitchers have to bear the brunt of that. Uh, for what it's worth, Stripling's remaining matchups. So he gets the Braves. No, I opened the wrong team. I don't I, know why I keep... I have... Uh, he's at the Rays this weekend to complete his okay. two-start week, and then he'll have the Red Sox for one next week. So yeah. you could probably drop Stripling after this week, I would imagine. Yeah, if it's a weekly league. Yeah. All right, a few hitting leftovers. I mentioned what Gunnar Henderson did earlier on, uh, but Brian Reynolds had a big game. He went four for five with his 24th homer. The Mets sluggers powered them to victory, quite literally. Pete Alonso went one for four with his 37th homer, and Francisco Lindor hit a go-ahead grand slam in either the seventh or eighth inning. It was pretty late in that game. It was his 25th home run of the season. CJ Crone, a little home cooking. He went three for four with his 29th homer, but has slowed down considerably here. Uh, in the second half. Regardless, you know, Scott, a phrase I haven't brought up in a while, the profit pocket. CJ Crone <laughs> has provided profit over the long term of the season, obviously, um, yeah. even though the second half hasn't been great. But I'm trying to remember everyone who was in it. It was... Reese Hoskins has had a good year. A good year. Josh Josh Bell was going well, but not since Josh. getting traded to the Padres. It's yeah, been he's been terrible. All downhill since then. Joey Votto was awful. CJ Crone has Luke been good. Voigt. 
Uh, Luke Voigt was a Voigt. late addition. He's he just like he's right. like that band member who you know is just like he gets thrown in later on, but he's not mm. really part of the initial group. Yeah, like so. uh, like when Pinsky replaced Michael on Salute Your Shorts. What did you say? <laughs> Someone out there will get it. All right, fair enough. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll take a I don't know what are we what are we going with there, Scott? Three for four, three for five in the profit pocket. Maybe that's giving myself too credit. Yeah, two and a half. We'll go with two and a half. The call to the bullpen for the Dodgers in game one. I assume Craig Kimbrell was unavailable because he pitched on Monday night. Chris Martin struck out two for his second save of the season. For the Cubs, Brandon Hughes struck out one for his sixth sixth save. I almost said 16, but he's 16% rostered, so that's where that number comes in uh, if you do need saves down the stretch. For the Astros, Ryan Presley recorded the final two outs for his 29th save. For the Tigers, Gregory Soto pitched a clean ninth for his 26th save. For the Yankees, they cannot figure out the back end of their bullpen right now. Clay Holmes entered in the eighth inning with runners on first and second. They were down five to four at the time, so they're trying to stop the bleeding. And Clay Holmes gives up a three-run homer to Rodolfo Castro. And Clay Holmes has just been really bad for quite some time now, so I... I I can't tell you who the next save opportunity to go to will go to because Aroldis Chapman pitched the ninth and he looked really good. So maybe it is Chapman. I don't know, Scott. Yeah, that one's pretty messy. Wrote about it in the bullpen report as well. I, I kind of think they, they need to get somebody right for the postseason. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Boone's going to keep going back to Holmes, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe he will. This was Chapman's second appearance off the I.L., yeah, and maybe he'll go back to him finally. But obviously, hasn't looked good when healthy for most of this season. Yeah, there. I mean, there's really no one they could turn to right now. loisaga has been up and down, and Ron Marinaccio, he's had some good moments, but it's not working out. Lou Trevino, like, oh god, don't even. Ugh, <laughs> can't even mention his name for the Pirates. Will Crow entered in the ninth with a four-run lead. As we mentioned, he gave up five runs on four hits and took his tenth loss of the year. For the Braves, Kenley Jansen gave up an unearned run but picked up his thirty-sixth save. For the Mets, Edwin Diaz sound the trumpets recorded the final four outs for his thirty-first save. For the Angels, Jimmy Herget gave up a hit but picked up his sixth save and that was his first since August thirty-first. The previous two for the Angels went to Aaron Loop and Ryan Tapera. So I don't really feel good about the Angels bullpen right now. Scott, what do you think? Yeah, it's definitely a committee, as as committee of a committee as you can get. But I do think if you have to pick one, it's it's Herget, just because I think he's the best. Yeah. But man, <laughs> Angels and Red Sox, you probably don't want to get involved if you don't have to for the Royals Scott Barlow recorded the final five outs three of those via the strikeout for his 22nd save for the Giants Camilo Duvall was unavailable uh, Junior Marte recorded the first two outs in the ninth and then Harleen Garcia got the final out for his first save and then for the A's very late into the night Domingo Acevedo struck out one for his third save widely available uh, if you do need saves here down the stretch to stream or not to stream for Wednesday, we've got Bryce Elder up against the Nationals, Marcus Stroman at the Marlins, Matt Manning at the Orioles, Jordan Lyles versus the Tigers, Rowanzi Contreras at the Yankees in a revenge game, Bailey Ober at the Royals, and Herman Marquez versus the Giants in Coors Field. So Bryce Elder's a new addition. He is filling in for Spencer Strider. And his last two spot starts for the Braves. I'm double-checking this. I think they were both... Really good. Really good. Yeah, so they're both against the Marlins. It's worth noting. But a combined five hits allowed in 13 innings with 16 strikeouts. Wow. Not a big strikeout guy in the minors was Elder. But the Nationals obviously make for a favorable matchup. So if you're feeling really gutsy, you could you could do that. My favorite choice here is obviously Marcus Stroman at the Marlins. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you could think about Bailey Ober at the Royals, but I think that's also a really a really gutsy one and not one I'd probably do. On Thursday, we have Josh Winder at the Royals, Mitch Keller versus the Cubs, Hayden Wesneski at the Pirates, and Hunter Green versus the Brewers. 
So Hunter Green against the Brewers is my favorite. Obviously, his return from the IL was amazing. Career high, 11 strikeouts. Also broke his own record for most pitches of 100 miles per hour or more in that game. He broke his own record by eight. Uh, So, you know, if you're chasing strikeouts, certainly you could do that. I think it's still a little risky if you're not. But better than any of these other choices. My second favorite would probably be Hayden Wisniewski. Wesneski against the Pirates. But again, that's probably too big of a gamble for my liking. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. Just a reminder that we won't be here tomorrow, uh, but we will be back again on Thursday night with a live stream and obviously an audio podcast in your feed on Friday morning. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.